The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Better Than Vegas. Better Than Vegas is your home for free daily video picks from the SGPN crew. It's like YouTube for sports betting. Make sure to subscribe to our profile at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And finally, we're also brought to you by PicksWise. PicksWise has free picks every day for every sport. Check out all their expert plays and betting news at PicksWise.com. That's PicksWise.com. And we're back in your disgusting, degenerate ear holes. It's the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 28, I believe. I'm Jeff Fox, your host. I'm a writer and editor over at the sportsgamblingpodcast.com website thingy. I also run the MMA-manifesto.com. Um... I'm up here in beautiful, rainy Ontario, where we're locked down again for a month. Um, for those concerned about me, I did survive my wife's haircut, and I'm as handsome as ever, so no concerns. Uh, I know there is a lot of uh, hand-wringing and, and uh, consternation online about this, but I'm fine. And, and the beard's intact, so all is well. Uh, I actually I, I shouldn't say I am fine, because myself and my co-host actually have uh our alien right now we have this um this illness called uh a heater which uh, we're on a really rough heater right now um and i don't know what the cure is it's definitely not more cowbell but um we're definitely definitely uh on a heater but oh i'm sure we'll talk about plenty of that soon uh let's introduce that aforementioned co-host that would be daniel gumby Vreeland, the host of top turtle mma podcast and of the prelim picker and um yeah, my fellow uh, my fellow man on a heater sufferer, whatever. Hi Dan. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> so we um yeah, we're struggling on, on this heater. Uh we both went ten and three last week. Uh it's pretty rough, eh? Yeah, oh, just real quickly before we, we break down completely ten and three. Ten and three do you usually give me the money amounts too, do you not? Like yeah, did, did somebody do better than the other person at, at ten and three? <laughs> Maybe. Let me um let me open my spreadsheet, Dan. And we'll see. I think you all can guess who made more money than, than the <laughs> other person. Uh the associate co host made more money than the Actually, this is a good host. I'm sorry, made more money than the actual host. All right, so uh, we're talking, of course, about UFC on ABC Two, UFC Vegas 23, UFC Fight Night, Tory versus Holland. It's all the same event, people. Just a bunch of different names. Um, yes, I went ten and three. Uh, I bet a hundred bucks in every fight, of course, like I always do. Um, so I made three hundred twenty bucks. Dan went ten and three. Also, he bet a hundred bucks in every fight. Also, because he's a degenerate and he's up four hundred and six bucks, almost four hundred seven bucks. Um, so he hit a couple of juicy underdogs, which um, we will we will discuss. We both hit one juicy one, but uh, he, he hit a, he hit a second one, which put him over the top for me. 
Um, I had, so yeah, I had three, did I not? Did I not have three? Let me see. Oh, you did have three. You, you, you had an even money one too. That's that's correct. That's oh, correct. because Mackenzie Dern wound up coming in right. even money, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I think I had seen her at plus. Well, I mean, I guess that's plus one hundred. But I had seen her at like yeah. bigger plus numbers. I think the broadcast had her plus one ten. But yeah, still a still right. an underdog. Yes, without question. So uh, speaking of the scorching red hot heaters, I am thirty two and eleven over the past what four events, three events. Uh, that's a 74% hit rate, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm up 1,010 bucks. Uh, that's like 20, about 24%, uh, return on investment. How's that? But if you think that's impressive, listen to Dan's, uh, run he's on. 42 and 16, uh, 72%, which is not bad, but it's, it's, uh, a little worse to me, but it's, a, it's longer. It's more stretched out. So he made more money. He made 1,500 bucks. That's 26% return on investment. That is impressive. Um, yeah, yeah we, we, we can't miss lately. It's almost like we oh. we knew all of this stuff already, and it was a bad streak. This isn't a good streak. This is what we normally do. Uh, exactly. The, the streak before was a bad streak. <laughs> it definitely was, because uh, our yearly totals still aren't that great. I'm uh, 72 and 59, so I'm up to 55%. I want to be at least 60, so I'm getting there. Uh, but I'm still down like 2100 bucks, so that is rough. Uh, Dan is finally over 500. Uh, if we had sound effects, I'd play some kind of sound effect <laughs> right now. Uh, he's 68 and 63, 52%. Uh, he's down 1900 bucks, so he's beating me in the money too there. Um, was that because then, of uh, the plus 275 underdog I hit? Uh, <laughs> yeah, three weeks ago, yes, or four weeks ago, yes, Dan. He's still living <laughs> off that. Um, and as for locks, I am still a perfect 5-0 and on my lock picks. Uh, I hit it last uh, weekend also. I'm up 300 bucks on the locks, 61% return on investment. Dan actually hit his lock last week, <laughs> um, which brings him to 2-3. and three. Uh, He's down 170 bucks, uh, which is uh, obviously a negative return on investment so anyhow things are trending in the right direction that's for sure we still have uh still have a ways to go but um betting on every fight uh it can be a volatile uh experience but um like dan said i think things are the way that they were supposed to be all along now yeah i i think so too and we're like you know we mentioned at the beginning of the year one of the really wild things is that there was just this like insanely high number of underdogs uh, winning, I think at one point it was like 52% of underdogs were winning, which, like, they shouldn't be underdogs then, right? Like, if more than right. half of them are winning, uh, it should be almost the other way around. But I, I think we're a little bit more regressed to the mean, right? Like, if we look this past week, was there one, two, three, I, I'm seeing three underdogs on the whole card uh, hit. So Let's like, see. Yeah, Arnold um, Allen, Mackenzie Dern, Allen, yep. Mackenzie yep. Dern, and, and John McDessie. And, and oh, Georgie yeah. Zdano, too. Yeah, Georgie uh, Zdano. We don't, we don't talk about him. Yeah, that was a wild. We'll, we'll get to yeah. that eventually. But what? So, a, what a wild thing for a dude on a five-year layoff to come into. So four, yeah, four out of uh, four out of thirteen um, hit, which is basically right around where uh, I said I, I, th- I believe I said on the preview that you should be looking for four to five um, underdogs tops, and you know that's what the numbers are bearing out, and that's around thirty-one percent. Uh, underdogs hit, so that's right around where the stats are for the past uh, past two years. It's right around 33% or so. So, yeah, uh, things have uh, regressed or reverted to the mean. Um, unfortunately, our bank accounts haven't yet because um, we dug got quite a big hole dug. If we could have just hit some of those n- insane underdogs to start off the year, we, we'd be better off. But uh, slowly but surely, we're digging our way back out. 
Yeah, I, I think so, too. And like I said, we're digging ourselves out with, you know, in in any gambling situation, when you're trying to figure out how to make money, it's just about doing the right thing constantly, and right. it will eventually shake out. Because, like, you know, if you just follow the hot trend that, like, every single, you know, like if, if we look back at those first three cards, we just bet every single underdog, right? And, and we would have made tons of money. Uh, but if you keep that up over a sustained period of time, like, this, this card would have buried you. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, just make sure you do the right things. Exactly. Do the right things. Um, such as, uh, we'll, we'll do a, a segue right into a, right into an ad read talking about doing the right things. Let's talk about our good friends at WinBet. Doing the right thing would be going over to WinBet because uh, they're bringing you the action of real sports betting with the win at Las Vegas experience. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are happening right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today so you can see what kind of odds they have on my Phoenix Suns, who are unstoppable juggernaut. So, um, all right, let's, uh, let's break down the card. We'll start off uh, right off the top. Um, see what they did to our our, our poor our poor little boy, uh, Kevin Holland. They've, they've These people online and... Uh, have have ruined our ruined our our fun, happy go lucky fighter, and he barely even talked last night. And he, he still the results were the same. He got wrestled for five rounds and got beat, but there was no joy in that fight whatsoever. The angry Italian man um, smothered him, and Kevin Holland had nothing fun to say. Yeah, well, and I would say you're you're right. They they did you know clearly the people pointing out that him talking and, and I I think probably Dana White did it more than than trolls online, but like yeah, people exactly. who pointed out him talking during a fight is a bad loss. Um, is it, not a good look, right? Like it's not a good look at all. So I think that did go away. But I will say too, good came from that in that he seemed like when he got taken down, he was not complicit to just be on the ground from then on. Right, like he he did something. He he got up a bunch of times. Like Vittori took him down eleven times in five rounds, which means he had to have gotten up at least six times. Right, like and and I don't remember how many rounds he ended on the the bottom, but like in order for him to get taken down eleven times, he can only end the round down five times. Uh, that means he got up six. So, uh, you know, like that that's a good sign. I will also say, you know, like clearly Marvin Vittori thinks he deserves a title shot. He's thought that for a while. Um, he's thought that since before the Hermanson fight, for that matter. And I just have this feeling that after this fight, did, did this do anything for you, for Marvin Vittori? Because in no. my opinion, it, it just sold me on the fact that, that Israel Adesanya right now would wreck him. He, he would hurt him bad. Um, because he wasn't able yeah. to hold down Kevin Holland. There's an alarm. When it was on the feet... Kevin Holland pieced him up, including in the fifth round, look, making him look like a little wobbly before he got that takedown. Yeah, he, he was using his reach. Yeah, so, like, if you're having trouble with yep. Kevin Holland's boxing, struggling for takedowns a little bit and struggling to hold him down, what in the world would make Dana White go, man, do we need to get him in there with Israel Adesanya, the guy who, like, does all of the things Kevin Holland does, but way better, right? Like, he uses his reach, he gets up when he's taken down, with the exception of the Jan Blankovic fight, which was a little harder for him, but he gets up when he's taken down, and he makes it hard for you to get on the inside. Like, man, I, I just think 
you know, Marvin Vittori took a risk in fighting Kevin Holland, a guy ranked much lower than him when he was supposed to fight Darren Till. He wanted to stay active. You got to give him credit for that. But man, I actually think he did more damage to his stock here than he did good. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree with that. And you're assuming Dana White cares about having competitive, uh, fair matchups. Uh, I think more, uh, more pressing concern is Marvin Vittori really isn't that much fun. Um, yeah, yeah and he's, he's that, not, that wasn't a fun fight, and he's he's a angry, angry young man. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in a, you're right about the angry, angry young man thing, but it's also in you know, and I, I don't know if this is a a cultural barrier because I know he spent most of the time in the United States, but he is an Italian guy. I, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but like there are fighters who who talk up fights and do the post pre fight weigh ins and stuff with a sense of anger, but it like. I feel like there's something about his that's, like, kind of off-putting, and, and I'm not quite sure what it is, but, like, you know, Colby Covington comes in every fight, and people get jacked up for his fights, right? I don't particularly like his brand of anger, but, like, he goes in angry, and people are, like, enthralled by it in either the love or hate way. This is almost, like, not only, like, a, a hate way, right? Like, they, they people clearly don't like the way that Marvin Vittori comes into fights, but, like, also in a way that, like, is not even, like, marketable dislike, and I don't know what that is. I don't know why that is, uh, but it does seem not uh, not particularly a good sell, which which is too bad, too, because, like, he comes from a country that doesn't have a lot of MMA fighters uh, that are, you know, have reached the highest level at the very least. That, that could be an inlet for the UFC, and it just seems like, I, I don't know, there, there's something about it that, that the common fan does not enjoy. Plus... Um, the fighting style, a ground and pound, is not usually uh, a fan favorite style, um, and he's he's not a finisher. Um, he's got two knockouts in his career. He has he has what half of his wins have come via submission. But if you look at his UFC record, he's got two two submission wins. That's the only finishes he has uh, over what uh, two, four, six, eight, ten fights. Yeah, so it's and, not like uh, he, he's not he's not fireworks inside or outside of, of the cage. So and, and I, the, I think the ground and pound too is just like like it's there, but it's not particularly vicious. I know I know they they hyped up the the swollen eye uh, Holland and hey he might not have been able to see because they they asked him if he could see out of that eye and he said I can see you, uh, which doesn't answer that question at all. Right, <laughs> which yes. I thought was pretty funny, um, but like. I mean, they hype that up, but it's not like a particularly vicious style. You know, like when Habib's on top of somebody, he creates space and throws. And like, Vittori's kind of throwing frequently enough that that seems interesting, but like it doesn't seem particularly impactful. You know, he did land one elbow there that that seemed to get Holland. But yeah, I don't know what it is. But again, you know, a 50-44 and not a particularly exciting one. Yeah, looks like uh, I think he's got one a ground and pound stoppage in, in his career, and he's that's basically his style. So, like you said, it's not uh, one finish out of twenty-two uh, fights of when your main style is take guy down, ground ground it out. It's not not going to win you a whole bunch of fans, uh, especially if you have a prickly um, attitude. So I, I think we're pretty much talking ourselves out of him uh, being a title contender. I'm looking at. The performance rankings I run on MMA-Manifesto.com. He's he's in fourth, but he, he he remains in fourth. This basically hasn't moved him 
moved him at all in the rankings um, as of this point. We got Adesanya way out in front, and then I've got Derek Brunson, Robert Whitaker, and Marvin Matoya. All those those three are basically grouped within just like 20 points uh, between the three of them. So and then there's another huge gap after that. So um, this is probably good news for uh, this coming weekend's uh, fighters, uh, Robert Whitaker and maybe not so much Calvin Gasolin, but um, you think Whitaker probably would, has the inside track to the next uh, next side of fight if he's able to get past uh, Gasolin yeah. uh, this coming Saturday. I agree with that. And here's the thing I'll say too is that like, the, the the other problem Vittori has is that it's a rematch, right? Like right. He, he's not even he's not even the fresh face. You know what I mean? Like if he was the fresh face and the person we could say is an unknown commodity for fighting Israel Adesanya, we could. And granted, it's it's more unknown because it was a while ago. But if we were saying that, like you could sell him over. Paulo Costa, who's already fought him, or Robert Whitaker, who's already fought him, or Derek Brunson, who's already fought him. But all four of them have already fought him. So, like, right. you know, did, who, who looked better in their fights against Kevin Holland, Derek Brunson or Marvin Vittori? I, I think the answer is pretty quick and easy to answer, right? Yeah. Yeah, Derek Brunson yeah. looked way Derek better Brunson, than yeah. Marvin Vittori. So, in what world do you step back and say, uh, Marvin Vittori uh, probably deserves this title shot over Derek Brunson? I don't think you can. No. Yeah, so I guess Derek Brunson's got to be um, hoping for a Gasolum win next weekend um, or or Whitaker not to look good or not to be ready to, to fight whenever uh, whenever it's time uh, for Izzy to get back in the cage. Yeah, I, uh, I think that that's his only path because uh, yeah. really I think – uh, and either of those two, Derek Brunson or Marvin Vittori, in all actuality, probably have to fight Paulo Costa. Like, I, I think the, both of them should be clamoring to try to get their hands on Paulo Costa as quickly as possible because that's – I think that's the path. Um, right. Because ultimately, you know, and, and I don't need to spoil our, our Thursday preview, but, like, I don't expect Robert Whitaker to have a whole lot of trouble with Calvin Gastelum. Um, you know, like Calvin Gastelum, a uh, very good fighter. He's perhaps given the very best fight to Israel Adesanya, with the exception of Jan Blankovic. Um So, like, you know, we'll talk more about that later. But, like, I don't expect him to have problems. And I think, you know, the whole, you know, New Zealand-Australia, you know, conglomeration you have there between those two, it just sets up, like, a really nice fight. And, yeah, Izzy won the first fight, but, again, we've got a whole bunch of people who Izzy's already beat. That's sort of the problem with the middleweight division right now. Yeah, it's it's a shame that he can't uh, fight at light heavyweight. Um, <laughs> this would all have been cleared up if he could have won the light heavyweight belt, and then they could have had him surrender the middleweight one, and uh, all these other guys could have been in the running for uh, for a belt. But, um that's not the case. So, uh, so what do you think's next for Vittoria? You think it's probably like a Paulo Costa type fight or Darren Till, perhaps? I, maybe Darren Till, since they seem to still hate each other. Yeah, I think the only problem with the Darren Till fight is Till's going to be out a while, right? Like your broken That's collarbone true. doesn't just heal real fast. And in addition to that, like if you come back on a broken collarbone, those those do tend to break pretty quickly again if they're not fully healed. Um, so I actually think between Darren Till and Paulo Costa both having these, like, ambiguous injuries that will see them both on the shelf for a while. 
I think logically you're going to see those two fight each other, like, down the road, down the road. Um, because either of them would be a good sell for a title fight. That could be a number one contender fight later. So I think what you're going to wind up seeing is Vittori versus Bronson. Um, okay. I, I think it's probably the only thing that makes sense. Both of them just manhandled Kevin Holland. Both of them present a style that the other one kind of hasn't seen in a while. Uh, so like, I, I think that that would be fun, and it would answer a lot of questions. It would make a contender out of one of them. Because, like I said, unless Calvin Gastelum goes out there and absolutely stomps Whitaker or makes him look stupid in a win, I think it's got to be Whitaker next. Like, I, I don't think there's any other option. So, uh, Vittori and Brunson need to make sure that they don't Colby Covington themselves in, and put themselves on a shelf stupidly for too long. Or Leon Edwards, we can call that or also. Leon, yeah, <laughs> or Leon Edwards ourselves or whatever, yeah. Exactly. Um, doesn't really look like... A- at least based on the MMA manifesto traffic, doesn't really look like this is a dim Kevin Holland's uh, star too much. He's still the guy bringing in the most traffic from this weekend, from this past weekend for me, which is which is surprising. Maybe it shows you yeah, how Vittori really doesn't have any star power whatsoever behind him, at least at this point. Um, we didn't really learn much on Kevin Holland's uh, end there. He didn't – it's not like he had time to, to change his fight. Uh, he still struggles for – uh, to, to stop takedowns. Um, when he's on his feet, he looks like a world beater, but uh, he can't stop takedowns. And it doesn't matter if he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which they always bring up. Uh, he's not exactly subbing a whole bunch of people off of his back, and he's constantly on his back, it seems. Yeah, and I would say, you know, last time we talked a little bit about the prospect of him going back to welterweight, right? Because he had fought at right. welterweight a bunch of times in the past. You know, like, uh, I I think it was probably, like, way back in, like, 2017 he had fought, like, at that weight. Um, And, and like, I think there's still a possibility that, like, going back there is probably the right move for him. And I don't know if he's bulked up. I know he's crazy skinny for even middleweight. But but he's coming in two or three pounds light every single time. And I don't know if he does that for a reason or if he just doesn't cut much or, like, what's going on. Um, if he can go down to welterweight, I, I think there's actually a lot of intriguing options on the edge of the top 15 for him there. Um, again, the, the top of the divisions in most of these divisions are going to be a nightmare for him because they're guys who can wrestle, um, you know, with the exception of middleweight, uh, not being too many wrestler types up there. So, like, I, I think there are probably more intriguing matchups for him there. But, like, yeah, he's got to get somebody who will just strike with him to get him back on the right track. Yep, uh, without question, but... I guess a more reserved performance from him probably did him um, did him did more for his uh, for his reputation than than losing the way he did to Brunson. Even though basically it was pretty much the same fight, <laughs> he got he, he had uh, he showed flashes of uh, of what he could do, but most of the time he was struggling on his back to uh, to get uh, to get the uh, guy grappling him off of him. So. Um, not ready to write write him off quite yet. He's uh, hopefully he can get some fun fights coming up. Um, all right, so that brings us to co-main event. Definitely don't want to write off either of these guys uh, to the top young featherweight prospects in the world. And I got this one wrong. Uh, Dan, this is one of his underdogs he hit. He got Arnold Allen plus one twelve. Uh, he looked uh, both guys looked looked fairly good, but um, Allen clearly won two out of three rounds and. Uh, Rightfully got the decision. Surprisingly, it wasn't a split decision because there was a lot of interesting decisions, uh, judge decisions last night, but he rightfully won 29-28 across the board. 
Um, looked good on his feet, um, better on his feet actually than than I expected probably. Um, and, and good on the ground, he basically looked good everywhere. Yeah, I would say the thing that didn't surprise me about his striking is the the defensive maneuvering. I, I think if you go back and listen to our breakdown of the fight too, you know, sort of the reason you were leaning to Yusuf is is he got much better output. And he did in this fight, too. If you look at the stats on this fight, I, I think Yusuf wound up landing like three times more strikes than Arnold Allen, um, which might be surprising to somebody if you look at the judges' scorecards. But Arnold Allen made sure that every time that Sadiq Yusuf hit him, it was like a glancing blow that did nothing. Um, he, he made Yusuf work for every single punch he threw. He made him miss a ton. And every time he hit Sadiq, it looked hard. Um, so he, he just played stellar defense. Uh, which I think people underestimate me how good that can be in MMA. Um, but he played stellar defense. He made sure that when Yusuf hit him, it wasn't impactful. And then he put Yusuf on his butt twice. Uh, once he, he hit him with a head kick that completely jelly-legged him and had him uh, shooting for one of the weirdest-looking takedowns I've ever seen, where at one point I think his whole body was off the ground. Um, so, like, yeah, props to Allen for, for fighting just, like, the most perfect version of his fight that he possibly could. Yeah, and looking at the at the strikes, yeah, it was almost basically three times, um, almost exactly three times uh, the amount of strikes Yusuf landed over Allen. Yusuf was hit landed 79, and Allen landed 26. So you would looking at that, and then uh, looking at that, you'd think, well, obviously Yusuf won the fight. He was more his significant strike percentage 41% to 34%. Uh, he outstruck him more than double significant strikes too, 47-21, but. Watching the fight, it was very clear that he, he didn't win. So uh, you can't always look at stats and uh, um, and predict the winner that way. So um, looking at the rankings now, Alan, this is going to propel him up in my rankings, probably into the top ten for sure. Looks like right now he bring him up to about eighth. Um, so who would you like to see him fight next? He's right in the range of uh, right now. Um, Ige, Ricky Simone, Calvin Cater. Um, Shane Burgos, he's right in right in that that range. So he's probably what one or two fights away from a title fight. You think if he can win them? Yeah, I, and I think you know while those those numbers of where those guys are are good, I actually think he's probably catapulted himself a little higher than some of those guys. Right, like Shane Burgos yeah. is is number twelve or thirteen in the official UFC rankings. Too, right, which which you know he he's not going to go down and fight somebody like Shane Burgos, especially because like no. isn't he on like a hundred and fifty fight win streak in the UFC now or something? Uh, he said he yeah, Arthur Allen, he's eight no, yeah, he's, yeah, we, yeah. So I, I got to imagine that brings him pretty far up. The problem is, is like, there's not a lot of options in front of him. Um, you, you know, like Danny Gay is scheduled to fight Korean Zombie, so like that's yep. out. Um, yep. Josh Emmett seems to be on this really long injury run. I, I don't know if he's good again. Yair Rodriguez may or may not to be on a USADA suspension. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on with that. I'm um, pretty sure, pretty sure he is, but well, we're not going to say obviously. Is, but Dana White danced around it, saying are, that, are that saying he is without, without actually, <laughs> without actually saying that, that he's he's been suspended. Yeah, that yeah. Usually these things get get announced or they they get out, but no, um, we don't know for sure if he's on a suspension. But it it appears that way because he doesn't seem to be injured or anything anything like that. So um, I think he's actually I had a markdown as being eligible as of March the eighth, so he may be eligible again at this. Yeah, so like he would be kind of a fun fight. Yeah, you're Rodriguez for for Arnold Allen to see what yep. what he could do. 
I, sure. I actually would like to see him against somebody like Zabit too, but Zabit is, again, another weird one in this division who's like, yeah, I'm just going to wait for my title shot. And for, like, what? For what? Because you just beat Calvin Cater for two out of three rounds? How, how does that make you more deserving than Max Holloway, who beat Calvin Cater to within an inch of his life? You know what I mean? Like, Zabit would have lost a five-round main event. Instead, it was a weirdly three-round main event that he won and would have lost rounds four and five by all accounts, right? So, like, uh, you can keep waiting, dude, but, again, you're going to Colby Covington, Leon Edwards yourself. So, I mean, I guess that doesn't leave Arnold Allen with much many options up there. Wait to see what shakes out. I guess if Calvin Cater's brain heals a little bit faster than we expect, that wouldn't be an awful matchup for him either. Um, Because, like, obviously Calvin Cater's, you know, was seen as one of the better boxers before he got pieced up. That, That could be fun. Um, I, I think a lot of these matchups are fun for him. It's just like nothing really seems like open and obvious for Arnold Allen at the moment. No. Um, and Yusef, you know, it didn't didn't look bad in there. Um, you know, uh, b- put a good good account for himself out there. And you know, just the uh, prospect loss it just happened that he lost to to another prospect. But I I don't think this is diminishes star too much um maybe he can get a an easier matchup uh next time in the cage and and get on another winning streak because that was basically his not basically his only ufc loss he was four and oh heading into that so he was on a nice little win streak himself so it's only his second pro loss and i think he'll be fine uh, yeah. after this one i think he'll be fine too and and the other thing about featherweight too is there's a lot of good options to get him right back on track right like the the edge of the top 15 is all undefeated guys like Bryce Mitchell and Mozart Evloev and, you know, Ryan Hall is, should be in there, but was dropped for inactivity faster than anybody's ever been dropped for inactivity uh, and has another fight booked immediately after that. So like, you know, Yusuf has got a lot of options like most of those guys. He's also got guys like, like he could fight Alex Caceres, right? Like Alex mm-hmm. Caceres is on like a four fight win streak is probably just outside of the top 15, and is a little bit more of a favorable matchup than Arnold Allen. He's still got, like, some of those same defensive things built in like Arnold Allen does, but probably just, like, a lesser version of it. So, yeah, Yusuf's got lots of options. I'd like to see him against any of those guys I mentioned there. There you go. Um, Let's tell you about, before we move on, let's tell you about Better Than Dot Vegas. How about Better Than Dot Vegas is what I'm trying to say. It's like YouTube, but for what hashtag the gens only care about, which would be sports betting, of course. Uh, good people over at Sports Gambling Podcast are giving out free video, daily video picks over on our Better Than Vegas profile page. Better Than Vegas is always running a ton of free contests as well. They got a ton of free picks and handicappers to check out. So make sure you subscribe to our profile so you don't miss a pick over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash BTV. And may as well, you can follow Top Turtle MMA too while you're on there if you want to see Dan. Um, I think, did I give out winning picks last week? Hmm. I gave, I gave out, out. I gave out two. If that's helpful, Ooh, I told you. Yeah. I told you that you should bet on Mackenzie Dern and Luis Aldana. There you uh, go. Which are two people who won their respective fights. I, I was I was two for three now. I think, but I have Victoria. Uh, I had Yusef, which was wrong. But then I had McDessie. So I got you. If you followed my advice, I got you a big fat plus one fifty five. So there you go. Not too bad there. So anyhow, make sure you go over to Better Than Dot Vegas. All right, so the third fight was um, 
middleweight slugfest between Julian Marquez and Sam Alvey, the Cuban Missile Crisis versus Smile and Sam. And like I said, it was a slugfest until Marquez um, basically destroyed Alvey's brain and then um, put him in a submission until he went to sleep because Alvey wasn't going to tap out. So it, it says it was a submission victory, but it basically was a, a knockout slash TKO uh, victory at that point. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I, also, you know, you said he wouldn't tap out. I actually think if you go back and look, it looks like he tried to tap out uh, before. He yeah, that's him. true. Yeah, which is, is kind of one of the more sadder ways that somebody goes out. But um, he, I was not, you know, going into this fight, not overly impressed with Julian Marquez um, because I thought his fight with Maki Pitolo didn't look particularly good. I don't know that I'm any more sold on him as, like, a guy at middleweight. You know what I mean? Like, like Sam Alvey has been on one of the worst runs the UFC has seen. And granted, some of those are split decisions that were kind of close or, you know, judges scorecards that I'm not quite sure of, or, you know, you can go back and look at MMA decisions and see there, there is some debate on some of those fights, but like this is for results wise, one of his worst runs. And, you know, for a guy who just counter punches, you would have liked to see Marquez look a little bit better than that. And maybe, hey, he did what he did to get the win. Um, but, yeah, I'm still not completely sold on where he stands at middleweight. No, it was one of those fights, I'm like, do I really have to pick someone to win this one? Because <laughs> neither of these guys are, are particularly uh, particularly um, good or, or inspiring. Um, fun to watch, I guess, if you like Slugfest. So, yeah, Alvi is now 10-10 and 10 in the UFC, but uh, half of those losses have come in his last five fights. He's lost five straight. Um, and he makes a good chunk of coin. I know he's has that style that they like, and they did just actually re- – he just got a new contract before this fight, I think, which is surprising on a four-fight losing streak, so maybe that speaks to how how uh, much they like him. But um, And they did give him a fight of the night bonus last night, which I think Dan has to, wants to complain about. But, yeah, he makes about 70 grand per fight, another 70 if he wins. So I'm – Basically, dance around saying that this could be the end of Sam Alvey in the UFC, you think? Possibly, yeah, at least. I think so, too. I will correct you real quick, though. That isn't a four-fight. He wasn't on a four-fight losing streak. You're missing the one draw he had in there oh, with, right. Dallin, yes, yes, with yes, Town yes. Jung, which is uh, – yeah. he actually looked really yeah, yeah. great in that third round. I was really impressed with him in that fight, yeah. which maybe, hey, that's what got him one more. Yeah, I, I think it's unprecedented for him to have even gotten this fight, you know, with zero wins in his last five fights, let alone get a new contract. I mean, unless they negotiated that contract to be smaller um, as, as his, like, you know, if you want to stay, you're going to have to fight for less, um, which, again, would be fairly unprecedented. But he Yeah, does, you don't see that usually. Yeah, yeah, but like you said, he does have a fan-friendly style. Maybe they do want to keep him around. It's hard to imagine he gets another fight here, but if he does, I, you know, it's going to be against a newcomer. They're looking to build a name, you know, like a fun, striking newcomer who can come in and build a name off of him. Um, and apart from that, I, I just, you know, I, I love Sam Alvey. I'm going to say that up front. I, I'm like a big Sam Alvey supporter. I've interviewed him a dozen times. He's like one of the nicest dudes on the whole planet. But I just, it, like I said, it's unprecedented for him to have even gotten this shot at a sixth straight winless fight. Uh, so for him to get a seventh, uh, it it would be pretty shocking. Yep. And I think uh, in our post-production meeting, which was, what, about half a minute of us chatting before we went to air, uh, 
I think you said you had a problem with some of the bonuses. Was this one of the ones you had an issue with? Oh, yes. Fight of the Night? Yes, oh, there's no yes. reason this wins Fight of the Night. How does John McDessie versus Ignacio yes. Bahamondes does not win Fight of the Night? And I know Bahamondes missed weight by, like, what, like, three quarters of a pound or something exactly, like that, yeah. right? Like, he three didn't even pound, miss, yeah. miss by a pound. You want to not give it to him? Fine. Don't give it to him for missing weight by three quarters of a pound. How do you not give John McDessie a fat check for what he went in there and did to that poor child's face? Because <laughs> yes. he, he absolutely dismantled a dude with a kickboxing background, right? Like, Ignacio Bahamundes has got, a, like, a, like, a 20-fight kickboxing background. Not that McDessie doesn't as well. But he went in there and pieced him up and, like, hurt him bad a couple of times and, like, put on the fight that you talk about guys putting on. And then you turn around and hand it to to Sam Alvey throwing, like, five counter-strikes. Like, yeah. and, and, again, I love Sam Alvey. There's no way he gets that bonus over John Magdesky. Yeah, that fight really wasn't that good. Um, but, yeah, well, let's, let's talk more about the McDessie one. Um, I thought we were in trouble <laughs> at the starting of that final. Like, oh, we're, we're not getting this uh, this underdog pick coming through because uh, McDessie was having issues with the range because um, – Ignacio is just massive for lightweight. He's what six three, I think they said, and he's yeah, he looks every every bit of it, and got a very unusual style, constantly switching stances, and yeah, he it looked like it took McDessie a little bit to figure out his range and and how he's going to uh, attack um, attack the youngster, but but he he did get it figured out, and he really laid it on him, but yeah. Um, the uh Ignacio was not uh, not backing down he um his his face uh was definitely worse for wear by the time the fight was over but yeah that that fight definitely was the was the fight of the night yeah i agree crazy that that was a split decision first of all i will also oh yeah say, okay, yes that too yes you mentioned some wacky scorecard that's a wacky yeah. scorecard there's no way Ignacio Bahamondes won that fight um but I'll also say, I, I think one of the reasons why I originally picked Mac Desi was what you just mentioned, is is the guy is has been in the UFC for a decade. Um, and, and you don't just stick around in the UFC for a decade just because, like, you're, you're all right. He, he's a great striker, and he picks up reads pretty well. Like, as the fight goes on, he figures you out. And sometimes that takes a little longer, and it's cost him fights in the past, but, like, not that Bahamundes is not like a nuanced striker. It doesn't have like a lot of things going for him, but it was pretty much just length that he was having trouble with. So like once he figured that out and got around it, it, it was his fight the whole time because he is a more technical, more experienced striker. So once he figured out the one sort of hiccup in Bahamundes' game, he just took it to him. And, and for that, you know, like that's why I liked John McDessie in this fight and why I broke down why you take the plus 155 dog here. So, uh, yeah, props to McDessie, and, and it's just too bad that he didn't walk out of there with a fat check, too. Yeah, Baja Mondays did look good, though. Like, he's uh, definitely got a, a future um, in this sport. He's, he's at least fun to watch, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I, I think I said, too, in the in the, the preview show that I, I wasn't 100% sold on him yet. This fight did more for me than, like, some other guys in wins on this card, right? Like, you know, I mentioned Marvin Vittori didn't move up very much in my stock. Uh, Julian Marquez didn't do much for me. I'd say Ignacio Bahamundes, I feel better about him. You know, like there's more of a movement in a positive direction for him than most of those other guys we mentioned. 
Right. And yeah, um, looking at MMADecisions.com, all the media members had it for McDessie. Um, either yeah, Sean Sheehan of Severe MMA had it 3026 for McDessie. Everybody else had it 3027 or 2928. Yet Derek Cleary, uh, one of the officials, uh, one of the judges of the event had Baha Mondays win round two and round three. Wild. And, Just freaking yeah. wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, McDessie um, outstruck uh, Baha Mondays 43 to 35 in round two, uh, 51% accuracy versus 32% accuracy. And then round three, he outstruck him 45 to 40, 54% to 33%. So he had the accuracy and the volume on his side. So how do you uh, get those? And the impact. Yes. That, that's oh, yeah, the other thing yeah. that we're, we're, we're not, you know, you can't factor in with numbers. But, like, Jeff's, you know, his facial deconstruction aside, like, the the punches that Magdessi were landing were far more impactful, which, with the judging criteria, that's really what they weigh. So, you know, all, part, all aside from the numbers here, he deserved this fight in every sense of the word. Exactly. And when one of your colleagues have it 30-27 for McDessie, how can you have it 29-28 for his opponent? That uh, Something doesn't add up there. But what we had a – that wasn't a lone uh, situation. That wasn't an anomaly last night. We uh, had some interesting interesting decisions. So let's jump back up to the main card. Uh, Mackenzie Dern got the biggest win of her career, I would say. Um, in the mom fight, she, she took Nina – you, formerly knee answer of now Nina Nunes uh, took her down and worked an arm bar until uh, 12 seconds left. She finally secured it and uh, Nunes tapped out immediately because um, you don't want McKenzie Dern um, with, with hold of your arm. So um, she looked very good and uh, that's definitely her, her star is still bright and she's still racing to the top. Yeah, and you, you said she tapped out as quickly as she could. You, you can actually get freeze frames of that where it looks like her elbow is hyperextended. So she did tap quick, and yeah. it still didn't matter because Dern puts it on you like that. Um, I was impressed with Dern. You know, like we said in the the preview show that that Mackenzie Dern is probably not that far from a title shot. Um, no. You know, for what it's worth, you know, the UFC sees her as wildly marketable because of her, you know, Instagram and because she's half Brazilian, half American, and because she's got this grappling pedigree where she comes from, you know, an amazing black belt father. Like, she's marketable. But in addition to that, I will just say the pieces of her game that I've always kind of doubted shown through is, like, massively improved in this fight, right? Like, her striking looked good. I, I thought she was beating Nunes in the striking until she took it down, which is another thing. She took her down, uh, which I, I think not enough people realize about Mackenzie Dern is, historically, her takedown offense has been trash. Like, really, really bad. Like, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was, like, 5% coming into this fight. It was, like, 1 of 20 and that includes failing on takedowns against people like, you know, in, in, in no disrespect to the names I'm about to say, but, like, that includes fa- a lot of failed takedowns against somebody like Ashley Yoder. And, and, like, Ashley Yoder's a good grappler, but she shouldn't be able to stuff every takedown you throw at her. It includes a lot of, like, failed takedowns against, like, Amanda Bobby Cooper. And, and like, again, no disrespect to those names, but, like, if you can't take those women down, you're probably not an elite grappler in the UFC. So for her to have now changed that narrative and 
used a very nice takedown to get Nina Nunez down, right? Like, she got the single leg, and she tripped the, the far side leg. It was very slick, and then, you know, just dismantling on the ground the way we know she could. The the dismantling on the ground like we knew she could is less impressive to me than the fact that those other two aspects of her, her game seem to be developing quite nice. And, and man, it, it's got to put her on a short list of people, you know, just behind Whaley and, and Rose for, for that title shot. Yeah, without question. Uh, first off, Nina Nunes is a fun name to say, I have to say. Uh, I, I'm, gl- I'm glad she's going by her married name. Uh, it's more fun to say than answer off. Um, as for as for Duran, yeah, her takedown accuracy, uh, it's up to a whopping 10% now. <laughs> With that going, takedown. <laughs> after going one for, one for two last night. Um, yeah, uh, I think, was it Heavy Hands podcast maybe, but uh, said it, but they were comparing Duran to saying that she was like Ronda Rousey with um, with – uh, more heart and determination, basically more more fight in her. Um, Rousey didn't like being hit and uh, didn't like losing well, and and didn't particularly um, adapt or or expand her game. While uh, Dern basically is, is the opposite, this grappling whiz, marketable grappling whiz, but she's got a lot of dog in her. She's not afraid to get get dirty in there, and she's basically improving all around. Which I have to say, I was down on her a few years ago because I, you know, I didn't see what I wanted to wanted to see out of her. She, you know, she's bouncing around gems and she was like not making weight um properly and, and then, then she ended up um getting pregnant and having a baby. I thought, okay, well that that could be the uh the end of her as a prospect. But you know, I have to say I'm very impressed. No no weight issues. She looks like ripped, more ripped than she's ever been and um her game just seems to be getting better at improving every time she's uh she's stepping into the octagon. Yeah, I think that change of gyms wound up being very good for her. And, and I know, like, a lot of people wrote her off after the the Amanda Hebos fight, but I think that was – correct me if I'm wrong. Was that right when she came back from having her kid? Um, I think so, yeah. And, like – Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, so, like, that that's obviously not good. Plus, like, I, I'm pretty sure and, – and, again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong – uh, that that was also right where she broke up with Black House MMA, right? And they were no longer – she was no longer with the team she's always been with. So, like, looking back, yeah, that loss did seem bad, and it seemed like, you know, she wasn't the prospect we wanted her to be. But, man, you, you said it. You know, like, physical body transformation, she looks ripped. You know, she very clearly has worked on the areas of her game that we we were worried about. Like, man, yeah, she, she seems like – the real deal now. Yep. Um, looking at the rankings, she in my rankings right at this point, she's behind uh, Zhang, obviously, uh, and Ro. Zhang, Zhang and Rose basically are are, um, are neck and neck at the top. They are uh, head and shoulders above everyone else, and then drops way down. It's uh, basically Marina Rodriguez and Duran are basically in a, a tie for for third place. There's like half a point between them. And then Amanda Limos um, would be next, and then there's a big gap after that. So um, where are you, th- what are you thinking should be next for Dern or um, uh, do you think like she's going to be like a fight night headliner type of fight or, or, or do you have an actual opponent in mind for her or, or what do you think? So I think it would totally depend on uh, who she fights, right? Like yeah. I, I would love to see her and, and some people will think this is too soon. I would love to see Dern versus Ioani on Jacek right now. 
I, yeah, I think I that it would answer a lot of questions in a lot of people's books, right? Like her, her striking look improved. Her takedown is clearly there. It's not like Joanna has been infallible in defending takedowns, right? Like uh, you go back to those title fights with Claudia Gedalia or both fights with Claudia Gedalia and like, Claudia got her down multiple times, right? Like, it looked like Claudia won rounds one and two of the rematch um, with takedowns and control. So, you know, can Ioane on Jacek stop a good grappler like Mackenzie Dern? Who knows? And, and the, the most dangerous thing about Dern is that if she gets you down once, it could be over, right? Like, that's the thing. It's like, she doesn't need much time to finish you. So, uh, you know, that that's a piece to think about, um, you know, it seems like that's probably not a fight that Ioana Jan Jacek would be all about. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the names. Marina Rodriguez is up there. You got uh, Yan Shaonan is up there. Like, any of those types of people would work for me. Although I would say if she winds up fighting one of them, like Yan Shaonan or, or, or Carla Esparza or somebody like that, I don't imagine that gets headliner status. You know, like, I, I, that just doesn't feel like that's going to headline a fight night. Um, you want to on JTech does, but the others don't really. So, um, and, and I'm not sure which suits are better. Like, does she need a five round fight right now? Who, who knows? But, uh, ultimately, yeah, I, I think there are so many intriguing names up there for her, but I'd love to see her with Yoana. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, interesting pick for sure. Or if, if they just want to go for star power, uh, give her Michelle Watterson. That, that wouldn't. That would be an easy fight for her. Yeah, I, I think she'd toast Michelle Waterson. Exactly. I actually That's think Waterson, Waterson versus Nina Nunes would actually be probably more competitive yeah. and more fun um, from like a stylistic standpoint. And again, they, they always book Michelle Waterson way over where I actually feel like she is, which no offense, again, to Michelle Waterson, but like, you know, she's super marketable, so she winds up kind of outkicking her coverage a little bit. So, um, but yeah, I think her versus Nina Nunes would be fun. Yeah, and looking at traffic, I'm not really getting a lot of traffic for for Dern, surprisingly. So maybe they have some more work to do, um, t- t- fully utilizing her uh, her gifts and um, her potential star power. So hopefully, I'd like to see her get at least a couple more fights in before she's actually uh, actually get, getting a, a title shot. So hopefully, you can get her a couple of high profile fights on either top of cards or uh, or on uh, high-profile pay-per-view type uh, undercards. So we can get some more eyeballs on her because she definitely uh, uh, looks like uh, all, has the makings of a future star in the sport. Um, Daniel Rodriguez destroyed Mike Perry. I don't know. Not not much else to say uh, about that, really. Um, other, than, other than let Perry go. Like, at yep, this point, like, exactly, what is he still please. doing in the UFC? And, and I don't yep. mean that just I, – I first of all, I do mean that from the standpoint of, like, he he clearly does not belong in a top professional sport based on the terrible things he says, uh, the clear issues with mental health he's got going. Like they either need to reach out and get this guy some help, or they need to cut the cord because what they're doing of just like placating him and just letting him, you know, like punch holes in sliding glass windows and bleed out on Instagram Live, uh, that doesn't belong at the top level of any sport. So if you want to be considered a sport like all the other professional sports, maybe it's time to stop doing these types of things with Mike Perry. And that's, you know, without, you know, I haven't even mentioned, you know, homophobic and racist slurs, the fact that he fought a guy in Orlando, the fact that he punched an old man in a bar in Texas. Like, you know, like take your pick. Like the dude doesn't belong in a top level sport for all those reasons. He's now one in four in his last five too. Like it looked utterly un 
incompetent in striking against Daniel Rodriguez. I have a question for you about this fight, too, before we just completely throw Mike Perry under the bus and just call it a day, um, which would be fun and, and meaningful. But, like, did you – and maybe – I'm not sure how closely you were listening to the broadcast. The, the broadcast team seemed oddly pro-Mike Perry. Did it feel that way to you? Like, they were, like, singing his praises about how much better he looked and how much more serious it looked like he was taking things. Yeah, the, there was a – uh, positive spin to it is true. I try not to pay too much attention at all to uh, no matter who's who's in the booth because it's you're not going to get much. Yeah, but I thought um, he looked worse than ever. Like that yeah. was one of his. Yeah, worst he was a punching bag. Yeah, he was a punching bag for Daniel yeah. Rodriguez. And don't get me wrong, Daniel Rodriguez is very good, but this is a guy who had a split decision with Vicente Luque, and yeah. if you go on MMA decisions, like may have won that fight with with Vicente Luque. He he didn't look good against Jeff Neal. Beat Mickey Gall. We had a three fight span where he could have taken a fight with Vicente Luque and beat the hell out of Mickey Gall. And we're talking about him being a punching bag for D Rod for 15 minutes, like a big punching bag for D Rod for 15 minutes. And we're talking about how he looks like this new and improved guy, you know, in amidst all of this other stuff happening outside of cage, almost outside of the the cage stuff. Yeah, like he looked bad. Yes, um, and it doesn't look good either when he basically has no one in his corner ever um, for the past few fights, or he has his young girlfriend, fiance, wife, whatever he wants to call her, uh, baby mama, um, as his only coach, someone who has no experience coaching. I, he had someone else with him last night, right? He had, it wasn't just her, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it was, it was a training first, partner. So I, I guess, yeah. I guess again, this is That's the, improvement. The, the weird broadcast <laughs> stuff that they were like, oh yeah, he's linked up with a coach. Uh, but because of some conflicts, that coach decided not to come in corner him. So this is one of the guys he kind of trains with. And, like, yeah. again, like, you're singing his praises of having, like, changed his ways and figured out this team, and he looks so much better. First of all, he didn't look better. How much has his team figured out if he showed up with one corner? I mean, I guess, it's, again, it's better than just his pregnant girlfriend. But, like, at the same time, it ain't good, right? Like, he, he doesn't have enough of a team behind him so that if his co- head coach has a conflict, he, in the UFC, can't have a full corner. Like, what is that? Yeah, this is the top league, and it's on broadcast TV in the States, and you have this guy on your main card, uh, opening your main card. <laughs> interesting, interesting choices. So that's, the, uh, that's the sport we love, though. Um, sometimes we don't love it, but, yeah, that's uh, – yeah, not much else to say about that. So, by by Mike Perry, um, he makes a lot of money too, so he he can uh, hit the bricks for for all I care. Um, let me tell you about one last sponsor, and then we'll, we'll rip through the prelims and call it a day. Uh, Pixwise.com, helmed by a team of trend watching, data devouring, sports fanatic wise guys, give you the who, how, and why behind every prediction on every game, every day, and every sport, all for free. NBA, MLB, and NHL, whatever the sport, they have you covered with free analysis and more importantly, free picks. Plus, they have all the betting news you need and expert best bets. Head over to PicksWise.com for all the free picks you need. That's PicksWise.com. All right, we'll just rip through the um, prelims. Feel free to interrupt anytime you want to say something about one of these fights. Um, Joe Selecki won a grappling fight over Jim, Jim Miller. wasn't particularly exciting, at least in my eyes. Um, like he spent most of the time on the ground with really not a heck of a lot happening there, but it was still an impressive victory for the youngster who makes him three and zero in the UFC now. Yeah, I like I like that he was basically able to to control Jim Miller because that's a hard thing in its own right. And right. hey, like he's a really great grappler, and for him to have even done that, it sort of shows that he's he's there. He's he's a guy now. Yep, uh, Matias Gamrot 
knocked out Scott Holtzman. Holtzman was basically uh, swinging from his ankles like Vladimir Guerrero back in the day. Um, <laughs> wouldn't you say he was like uh, swinging it, swinging at balls in the dirt, um, trying to take out Gamrat, but it was Gamrat who ended up knocking him out. Yeah, and I think this is the the Matthews Gamrat that everybody believed was going to be there, like because uh, his debut was not good. Um, I think right. he won his debut. Uh, I actually think that was a bad judge's decision. But, like, everybody expected this kind of version of him. And, hey, uh, he actually got it done in a way that not a lot of people saw it with the, the KO here. Because, you know, I, I'm a big fan of his wrestling. I thought his wrestling was going to be the difference maker here. But, he, I mean, once again, another guy that makes you feel like he's the real deal. No doubt. Uh, we went through McDessey already. Um yeah, and then the uh, our hashtag chunky chunky guy let us down. Uh, Jurgen De Castro ended up. I want to say wild fight, but it was only wild for like a few seconds. The rest of it was them stalking each other. But yeah, he he got his lights put out very quickly by uh, Judges Danho, the Man Mountain, uh, who came off the bench after five years and uh, took this uh De Castro out and probably took him out of the UFC you think possibly yeah He's uh, one another, win another one who's kind of unfortunately on his way out but I think you have to because first of all he just lost to a guy in a five-year layoff and second of all the the problem with him in his last two losses is he's looked complacent he he looks like you know he kind of looks a little bit like Sam Alvey and look it's like a big counter punch or nothing that that's it he's a big counter punch or nothing and in his debut we got a lot of positive praise for him because the big counter punch landed on Justin Taffa, no less. Uh, so like a big win. So like, I think the praise got heaped on. He looked better in the contender series when he was ripping leg shots and, and like doing everything he possibly could. The last three fights, the output has just been so bad. Um, and, and I like the guy too. He's another one like Sam Alvey. I'm such a fan of, um, but, but getting knocked out by a guy in a, five-year layoff to make it three in a row for you while you seem to throw almost no punches at heavyweight while being a touted kickboxer. Like, yeah, I I just, I can't see the UFC keeping him around at that point. No, Dan and I are uh, laying down the hatchet and a lot of people today on today's show. How many people? We, we fired quite a few people already, so. Three, I look think. Out. And, and yeah, look out. It's way more than I like. <laughs> uh, this is a fight worth mentioning. The Bantamweight uh, prospect fight, Jack Shore and Hunter Azure. Um, we got this right, but barely, because this was another one of those split decisions, uh, which made no sense. Um, two judges had Shore winning every round. Uh, one judge had uh, Azure winning two rounds and Shore only winning one. So that's inexcusable. Yeah, it was inexcusable. I will say the thing that baffled me a little bit about this one is I, I said the one thing that made me pick Luis Saldana as is my uh, my lock instead of Jack Shore was I was a little worried of the wrestling of Asia versus Shore uh, because Shore's grappling is really good. I thought Shore would win in the yeah. stand-up, which I was right on that as well. But actually, Jack Shore's wrestling looked better than Hunter Asia's, right? Like, he took him down. Oh, yeah, he took yeah. his back. He, he looked good wrestling. So... Um, another guy who I think sort of cemented his place is like being a guy uh, at the bantamweight division. So you know, good on good on Jack Shore there. He stays undefeated. Yeah, um, deep division. So hopefully he doesn't get doesn't get pushed too much. But yeah, one um, judge had uh, Azura winning the first two rounds. So it's got to be because of the yeah. one takedown he had in those, right? Like, didn't he yeah, get one takedown in like no offense, like six seconds of top time? Uh, so like, yeah, I get it, but like that can't possibly win you around when you got pieced up on the feet and 
controlled in some grappling exchanges in your own right. Yeah, it was, yeah, um, interesting. But, yeah, when I heard it was split to this decision, I thought, oh, no, we're going to lose this one. We're going to get robbed. But, no, we weren't, luckily. So uh, that was my lock also, so I'm glad I hit that. And then uh, Dan's lock was Louis Saldana, who who won um, – tough fight against Jordan Griffin. That, that I was thinking we're, we're – be losing this one because Griffin was uh, was a dog in there, but Saldana ended up winning uh, two rounds, two one. But it was it was a very very close fight, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think it was a close fight as well. But um, you know, like a lot of people gave Jordan Griffin that first, and I just didn't see very much offense out of him in that that round. Like he did get the takedown, um, but like for me, Saldana pieced him up on the feet before that. That damage was clearly there and. Yeah, it, it was way closer than I would have liked being my lock. I, I am – he's another guy who won, and I am a little bit lower on him despite him winning. Um, I think he's got a lot of room to grow, whereas Bahamundes, who I was low on, uh, lost, and I'm much higher on him. Yeah, well, looks like this was a robbery, actually. Look, According to MMA decisions, only two of the media scores gave it to Saldana. Um vast majority gave it to Griffin, so... I think a lot uh, of that probably has to do with the commentary team. Because um, I yeah, was watching true. it yeah. the whole time, and granted, I had Pixeldania, so, like, I was leaning, you know, my rose-colored glasses on him. <laughs> yes. Um, but, like, I... You know, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, the judges couldn't have possibly scored that first round for Griffin, right? And the, the announcing team was like, well, Saldana needs a finish, and I'm like, does he, though? Like... I don't think he does. I think he's he's winning this fight. Uh, and then the judges read it all three for him, and I was like, okay, good. I'm not crazy. I wasn't seeing things wrong. But, like, you know, and I, I don't know who the media scores are, and so I'm not going to badmouth any guys. But, like, I, I think inherently if you don't go in uh, feeling one way or the other, the, the announcing team can really skew the way that you're watching the fight. Yeah, the announcing team doesn't seem to – know how fighting works either or scoring works which is interesting so um and then uh fight that dan got wrong haha then i got right light heavyweights dan young or jung uh beat william knight smoked william knight actually uh 30 26 30 26 30 27 and uh i got that right hooray but dan beat me on the night but i, I won that that battle at least so um yeah he looked at he was just so big uh compared to william knight it was it was striking how how massive he was in there. Well, and the other thing too is and when we broke this one down, I, I you know, I, I picked Alonzo in the field in all 35 times he was booked against uh, William Knight. Yep. Cause I said, Knight makes mistakes. Menafield's are the type to capitalize on him. I don't know if Dalton Jung is. And not only is he, but William Knight walked into the same problem like 13 times, right? Like yeah, that was, body yeah. lock, takedown, you know, like tie up, trip, tie up, trip, tie up, trip. And then it comes out in the second round, and the first thing he does is fucking tie up. And you're like, what are you doing? Like, he wasn't doing awful on the feet. Like, I still think he probably, had he not been zapped in the first and second rounds uh, by, like, tying up and getting taken down and just struggling to get back to his feet, or using, like, some really weird get-up techniques that were Derek Lewis-esque. Um, yes. I, I think he probably stands a good chance on the feet if he just keeps his distance, but... Yeah, William Knight is always going to be one of those prospects where I'm like, really great physical gifts, good power, some clear technique, and just is going to make mistakes enough that he won't get by the people who he needs to get by. 
Yeah, the the fight IQ definitely was not there. Um, definitely not last night. Then we started things off with a win. That's always nice. The Impa Kasangane um, tapped out Sasha Flatnikov in the second round after he exhausted him. Basically, he was he was totally gassed. It seemed uh, in the second round. So I think he beat him by exhaustion. Uh, I think a little bit too, but Palatnikov was like bragging about his his cardio going into this fight, and he yeah. did win his last fight pretty much just by like out cardioing Luis Koske. So, uh, which which was never going to work against Impa Kasagane, uh, because yeah. that dude is built like a freaking house. Um, although he did come down and wait in this one, so I, I guess maybe there there could have been some concerns there. But yeah, he he looked great. Uh, I also think it was you know wild that he got a submission finish because we mentioned this fight. Uh, probably was going to go the distance because neither guy is particularly a great finisher, but Impa went in there clearly with a plan. And I think too, I think the reason we saw a great increase in his wrestling and his, his submission is he's working at Sanford MMA now. And, and just like, you can see the difference. Um, and you know, that's no knock to Jim O and Jeff Jim O the, the coach of Jim O. Um, but like, you know, like there's a reason they told him to go get more training partners at Sanford MMA, gave them their blessings is because, like, with all of that, the dude looks dangerous. Yep, without question. So that that puts a bow on that event. Another successful uh, event for us, and we'll try to keep it going this coming weekend, uh, which is uh, UFC on ESPN, Whitaker versus Gastelum. So we got uh, Robert Whitaker versus Calvin Gastelum. Uh, other fights are not Jeremy Stevens versus Drakkar Close. Uh, Dan's boyfriend, Andre Olofsky, is coming down on short notice against Chase Sherman. Um, yeah, it's, it's a pretty decent card. Um, yeah, a lot of, like, um, we got veterans, Ricardo Ramos versus uh, Bill Algio. So, yeah, it's it's a decent uh, decent fight card for sure. There is, um, there is a very fun chunky guy match. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yeah. And Romanov. And Alexander Romanov is perhaps my favorite of the hashtag chunky guys. He is like a chunky guy for all chunky guy lovers out there. So, um, and, and yeah, fighting Juan Espino, who's maybe not all that chunky. He's, he's, he's at least thick. Uh, but, um, in a fight where it is two very talented heavyweight grapplers in a, what is going to be, uh, it should be so fun to watch. We got that to look forward to, guys. We got that uh, hashtag chunky guys coming up. So, in the meantime, we'll you'll get that in your ears Wednesday night slash Thursday morning. Uh, in the meantime, make sure you check out all our stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Um, check out the uh, MMA-manifesto.com. I will be posting the pick'em contest for uh, Whitaker versus Gaslam. You can win a fifty-dollar gift card to where, anywhere you want, courtesy of our good friends at Sports Gambling Podcast. So check that out. Um, and make sure you check out Dan's podcast, Prelim Picker and Top Turtle MMA. Who's on Top Turtle this week, or uh, is it a surprise? I am going to be talking to Lupita Godinez, who's fighting Jessica Penne on short notice, as well right. as I, I'm getting a little Bellator action this week too. Uh, I'm going to be talking. Um, with a fighter with a, I think it's a yet-to-be-announced Bellator fight, uh, but he will be fighting on the Friday of the week. This is hitting your ears as well. So um, it will at least be announced by Tuesday, hopefully. <laughs> okay. And Lapita Godina is, is a fun name to say also. So that, Yeah, she, uh, goes by, she goes by her nickname Loopy often, too. So Loopy oh, Godinez, uh Yeah, it's fun to say, and she is even more fun to watch, too, so... 
Yeah, there are actually are quite a lot of names, fun names for us to butcher on this card coming up. So that'd be, or at least it seems like you, you've gotten uh, quite good at, at these names, and I'm the one now that's uh, that's tripping over all of them. So I, I think you've been practicing behind my back. Yeah, I, I uh, well, especially since I had to talk to Lupita Godinez, um, you you got to make sure you say that one right when you you talk to him because it's terrible when you butcher it for. 10 straight minutes, and then they tell you after the interview, um, which, of course, never sounds good. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a fair couple on here that you could slaughter pretty hard. So uh, I look forward to listening to you do that. I will. Um, Although I'm yeah, going to give you credit real quick, too, because you, you tripped over it when we did the preview show. But just now you nailed the Impa Kasangane. <laughs> yeah, I was going to make it a joke and, and say it wrong, but I decided to, to show off and say it properly. So there you go. Take that. Take that, haters, um, and make sure you can, you can check us out on Twitter. Speaking of haters, uh, Jeff Fox, writer, and Gumby Vreeland, um, and that'll do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Oh, I, I almost forgot. Make sure you follow. Um, if you're listening to this on the regular Sports Gambling Podcast feed, make sure you find our uh, dedicated feed just for this podcast, MMA Gambling Podcast, and make sure you subscribe to that. That just kicked off uh, with last week's podcast. Um, so make sure you uh, you subscribe to that so you don't miss an episode because we won't always be on the uh, on the main feed. Um, they're going to take off the training wheels eventually and let us uh, go out on our own. So make sure you you do uh, subscribe to the the regular channel. And we didn't talk about um, quickly uh, any. Hot t- hashtag hot takes on the new Venom apparel. I think they're pretty much they're fine. They're nothing special, nothing real different than Reebok, really. Uh, yeah, I saw no different, and I would also say, and I think I can't remember if I said this to you last time or one of my other co-hosts, but I couldn't care less. I just would rather some of that money be going a little bit more dedicatedly to the fighters. They gave them a, a raise on the Reebok deal that was like literally pennies so um that's kind of disappointing I, I don't really give a crap what they look like i don't care if they're personalized or not personalized i don't watch it for the shorts um so i'd just like to see fighters get paid yeah he watches it for the hashtag chunky guys um that's, yeah pretty much not forget, so. and you don't want to yep. hide those in shorts no exactly not so all right so um let's put this one to bed uh i will i will end it as i always do with these special words Goodbye.